Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. All I can say is uh, count me out. Enough is enough. And when it's over, it is over. It is over. I want to say to the American people, the United States Senate will not be intimidated. We will not be kept out of this chamber by thugs, mobs, or threats. As a nation, I know we sit back and, and, and we're appalled by what we're seeing. But I want everybody to take a deep breath and understand we all have some responsibility here. And I hope that this is going to be an opportunity for the country to take a step back, take a deep breath, and realize we can't continue down this path. Wow, some good stuff. All of those voices, if you recognized them or not, prominent Republicans, many of them Trump supporters. And many of them with a slightly different tune not long after that, as it turned out to not be politically tenable to be that upset about the riot that happened at the Capitol. At least what, not what, publicly. What do you want to call it? I mean, some people get really upset about the terms. I don't I don't know what the definition of insurrection is, so I, I haven't looked it up, so I don't get quite as worked up when I hear somebody say that. I, uh, yeah, I think riot's fine. Riot, riot's fine. Yeah, I don't know. It was freaking awful. Um, it was absolutely awful. I, 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 I don't know how anybody comes to the conclusion that it was not a big deal. I... You're either lying to yourselves or you're not what you haven't watched the videos lately or close enough or whatever. Do you see those cops fighting for their lives trying to keep people from storming into a building and stopping government from doing what government is constitutionally obligated to do? Have you yep. seen that? I actually do understand how people dismiss it. I'm not saying it's right, but I understand it. They feel like their point of view is so constantly under attack from everywhere, they have no luxury of conceding a point. They can't. If They don't want to. If you are in that mindset, then it is all over. If, if you're to the point that you have to beat cops to death to get into the Capitol to stop constitutional processes from happening, it's over. Because then the other side's going to do the same thing, and it's just a street battle. And whoever wins the street battle gets their way. That's yeah. where we are. Yeah, I would suggest to people who are utterly unwilling to admit when, quote-unquote, their side is wrong because they're constantly under attack. And again, I understand the psychology of it. I would just suggest to you, just go with this. We're better than them. We don't engage in political violence. We shouldn't have that day. Yeah, the left and the media has, have been as much as promoting violence now for several years. But be better than that. So Joe Biden comes out today and gives a very partisan speech blaming Trump for everything that happened today and going on about how democracy hung by a thread. There's way too much emphasis on the riot part of it and not enough enough emphasis on the um, uh, behind the scenes trying to work the electoral system part of it. That part of it, the, the trying to actually legally work the electoral system could have could have worked. If 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 President if Vice President Pence had got along with it, we would have been in a really difficult constitutional situation. But the the people beating other people down with flag sticks that was never going to accomplish anything. Nope. That we, our democracy was not hanging by a thread because people smashed open those doors and ran in. 
They would have just had the vote. They, well, like they did. They had the vote later that day. If they'd uh, killed Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence, they still would have had the vote the next day somewhere, and Joe Biden would have still been president. And far worse than that, it would have set conservatism back decades. Absolutely. It would have been incredibly damaging. It would have done, it reminds me of, uh, you know, uh, I'm constantly talking about how the, the woke crowd is doing the work of the KKK. I mean, dividing us by race. I mean, they are the greatest segregationists who have ever lived, uh, or damn near, or they're trying to be. Uh, the, the Nancy Pelosi and AOC could never come within a thousand miles of damaging conservatism the way we can if we act like lunatics. Uh, no doubt about that. I thought this was pretty good from Carl Rove in the Wall Street Journal today. On this anniversary, here's a simple thought experiment. What if the other side had done it? What if early in January 2017, Democrats similarly attired and armed had stormed the Capitol and attempted to keep Congress from receiving the Electoral College results for the 2016 presidential election? What if Democrats claimed that Donald Trump's razor-thin victories in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin resulted from extensive voter fraud and should be rejected, despite having failed to establish in a single court that extensive fraud had actually occurred? What if some of these Democrats breached the Capitol defenses and threatened violence against Paul Ryan as the Speaker and Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell? What if they insisted that in his role as Senate president that then vice president joe biden had the sole authority to seat hillary clinton's electors from any contested states if that happened would some of my fellow republicans have accepted it as merely a protest would they have called patriots those charged with violent acts against our country its laws and its constitution would they have accepted such extra legal means to change the outcome of a presidential election no they would not i'm certain of that says carl rove Hmm. well he's right yeah, the fact that we get upset when one side does it and not the other is not new news, but oh yeah, it and is Biden's, an interesting thought experiment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Biden's speech today, inexcusable. Absolutely. Absolutely oh. inexcusable. And you got to remember, my argument, my main argument this whole thing is I think this is a continuum. It's not a one-off where you get to claim that Trump is unique and his supporters are uniquely crazy. We've had this growing acceptance of political violence for years now, and this growing acceptance of claiming that elections were rigged, whether it's Stacey Abrams in Georgia or Hillary Clinton refusing to accept the fact that Trump won or going back to Gore and Bush. Um, uh, oh, McAuliffe yeah. in Virginia refused to say that Bush beat Gore. So this growing acceptance of that was not a legitimate election. Then the growing acceptance of violence. Of course it led to this. It seems to me that it was just like it was as natural as anything could be that it grew and grew and grew and reached a point that was absolutely intolerable. And we might not be done yet. Yeah, well, and you can judge every speech on the following standard if you want. Was that intended to advance the interest of the United States of America, or was that intended to whip up partisan fervor to raise money and get people to the polls? Biden today was absolutely uh, going for the latter. You could certainly point out, I mean, if you wanted to bring people together, I could write Biden's speech for him. Because every single example that you gave, Jack, about people not accepting uh, elections were from the left, were from the Democrats. If you were to say, listen, my side has been guilty of the same thing. We didn't do the same things, 
But the refusal to accept elections, the turning a blind eye to political violence, we're part of this mess. And if we're serious about ending this, if we're serious about cleaning up this mess, and I'm looking at you friends on the left, I'm looking at you, my friends on the right, we need to be honest with each other. He said something like that, he would be a hero, an American hero, but instead he chose the other route. And the fact that Nancy Pelosi didn't bring an impeachment article a year ago tomorrow and have a vote that day shows how cynical she was about the whole damn thing. She calculated what would be the best politically, what would help us the most, what would raise the most money, what is going to put us in the best position to win the presidential election or the next uh, uh, off-year election, what is going to help us politically, not, oh, my God, this is a threat to democracy, something needs to be done. Let me see, let me draw up articles of impeachment that are impossible for Republicans to vote for so that we can say they voted in favor of the January 6th violence. (laughs) Let and me, your little dog, too. And I won't bring in Liz Cheney or any of the number of Republicans that she could have brought in to have a hand in crafting the impeachment article to try to bring more Republicans. She, she made no effort whatsoever to right. actually win the impeachment. Um, And then on the other side, you got this sort of thing. Matt Gates of Florida oh, please. tweeting out, We're ashamed of nothing. We're proud of the work we did on January 6th, and we're actually going to walk the grounds that patriotic Americans walked from the White House to the Capitol. He's staging some sort of reenactment walk to remember how great a thing that was. With a 17-year-old on his arm? (laughs) You didn't need to say that. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. Okay. Matt Gates, shut up. Seriously, I got a list of people just need to shut the hell up. It's fairly long. <laughs> the biggest problem I have on this one-year anniversary is that there's no indication that either side is willing to pull back. from the, At least the, 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 the most extreme on both sides are not willing to pull back from the heading down this road. Yeah. What's yeah. going to happen the next close election? Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, we, we've discussed the question for a long time. What will it take to heal the hyperpartisan divide, bring us back together as a country? Not that we have to agree on everything. That was, that has never been the case and never will be the case, except maybe, you know, 15 minutes after 9-11. Um, and, and we've said, you know, war or a cataclysm, a pandemic, that sort of thing. Well, we can check at least one of those off the, uh, the box, uh, check it off the list. Um, I'm not sure anything will at this point. I don't know. We're into territory that is unfamiliar to me, and I can't predict. Uh, rough waters, no doubt. The next step would be a close election. The Democrats lose, especially if it would be to Trump. And several states Trump won in a close vote, refusing to uh, seat their electors, to, refusing to do what... what the Republican states did last time around, that mm-hmm. you don't have some people that were Republicans or even Trump Republicans, like in Georgia and Arizona. I said, no, 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 this was this was we're not going to do that. We're, we're Trump. Trump didn't win this state. We're we're putting out these numbers. We're signing the official documents. Sure. What if that doesn't happen next time around? Sure, Antifa and Black Lives Matter storm into the poorly guarded capital of Wisconsin, for instance, and commit all sorts of violence and then burnings and the rest of it. And they don't vote. Yeah, I could picture that. I hope not. Yeah, me too. Um, that was an ugly scene, though. I, it's amazing that there wasn't more loss of life with the level of anger and violence that was going on that day. Now, the media outlets who keep saying six lives were lost that day. Ah, 
That's really stretching it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's really stretching it. Yeah. The police suicides are no joke. No, absolutely not. Um, but yeah, that's that is a stretch. So uh, what we need as a country to heal is uh, Larry Hogan. Is that his name from Maryland? Hogan. Larry Hogan, yes, Colonel Hogan. Uh, Larry Hogan versus uh, Pete Buttigieg in uh, an election that is little noticed, and uh, you know, uh, six figures come out and vote, but only six figures nationwide. And, and so, we all go about our lives. And somebody wins by 49 states, so it's not even close. <laughs> right. And we go back to hating each other over what football team we root for. <laughs> edge, edge. Edge, edge, they say. Edge, edge. Your thoughts. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Have you ever borrowed a book from thousands of miles away, across the country, without stopping for directions? Have you ever paid a toll without slowing down, bought concert tickets from a cash machine? You will. And the company that'll bring it to you, AT&T. Have you ever watched the movie you wanted to, the minute you wanted to? Have you ever kept an eye on your home when you're not at home? Or gotten a phone call on your wrist? You will. And the company that'll bring it to you, AT&T. Tom, Tom Selleck, half right. I remember those. Half right each time. I remember those ads. And yeah, the reason that's making the rounds is... uh, uh, do we know what year that was? 1993. 1993. All those things obviously happened, but none of them because of AT&T, I don't think. <laughs> they happened. And thanks to Apple or whoever else. Yeah. Like, Samsung. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy, that pretty good job of predicting what was going to happen, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say. I got I'd a phone say. call on my wrist just yesterday from my son on my Apple Watch. We've got the, uh, there's a walkie-talkie feature you can put on it. If you both have them, and then you can just talk to each other instantly. Borrowing a book from a thousand miles away, watching a movie now, because you think of it. Sure. I'm wearing a watch on each wrist now. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody do that before. Because I have a regular old styly watch that I really like. And my Apple Watch, which is way better watch, and just so much handier. So I got a watch on each wrist. I think that mm-hmm. might be my new thing. I'd like to harshly condemn you for that, but I'm not sure. I just out of habit. Um, but I'm not sure uh, how I feel about that. It's probably better than two on one arm. <laughs> That's what my kids suggested. <laughs> I think that would draw more attention. Well, they are very childlike. So I promised this to you yesterday, and I didn't deliver. And I apologize. I'm a liar and a fraud. Um, it's U-Hauls. Uh, it, it's what do they call this? It's got a name. It's their it's a mobility report or something like that um, that they put out every year about who's moving where in state, out of state, going from which state to which other state and the rest of it. And uh, not shockingly, I borrowed um, from you all over the vacation. I had to I was moving something. I borrowed some uh, of those moving blankets and a dolly and it cost practically nothing. And I'm, oh, not, yeah. I'm not getting paid for this, but if you ever need those, you can rent them from U-Haul. They cost almost nothing. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they market them as add-ons to the big rental, which is uh-huh. the truck. And they want you to go ahead and add on a little bit more. But, yeah, if you're not renting the truck, it's super reasonable. 
Yeah. Uh, but so the whole inflow outflow meter, not shockingly, number one inflow state, Tejas. Texas arrivals of one-way U-Haul trucks jumped 19%. Uh, departures actually rose 18%. But Texas was the number one inflow state in America, followed by Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, Arizona. The top five, to which, you know, as Californians, we say, yeah, we know. Mm -hmm. That's where our friends are now. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Texas, Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, and Arizona. I'm surprised North Carolina isn't higher on that list. Um, That's number 19. Here's your bottom ass. But it's not not because of policy or anything like that. That's 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 not the reason this is happening. Oh, absolutely not. How dare you, sir? Uh, counting from number 46 to number 50, the greatest outflow states are Alabama, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and, of course, Cal Unicornia. Why Alabama? Any idea? The leavenest state in the union. Alabama. That's a good question. I don't know that much about the economics and politics of Alabama. But California is the state number one most people leave in? Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Not a surprise. Yeah. yeah. Uh, recapturing the crown, I believe California was 49th last year, but it, it might be two years How long can you know. do that as a state and continue as a state government that you're doing a good job? When your people are moving away, leaving their jobs, their family, their everything, all their friends, their kids, uprooting. It's a very traumatic thing to uproot like that. I've done it many times. But people are doing it because they hate living in California so much. Two questions. Is it a one-party state, and will I win the next election anyway? <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So let's speak plainly about what happened in 2020. Even before the first ballot was cast, the former president was preemptively sowing doubt about the election results. <clears throat> he built his lie over months. It wasn't based on any facts. He was just looking for an excuse, a pretext, to cover for the truth. He's not just a former president. He's a defeated former president. Defeated by a margin of over 7 million of your votes in a full and free and fair election. There is simply zero proof the election results are inaccurate. Wow, that's really interesting. That's Joe Biden from a couple of hours ago on this, the anniversary of the riot or whatever you want to call it, the storming of the Capitol a year ago. Why did Joe Biden decide to go with that angle? I was just going to ask, what the hell's his point in doing that? Joe Biden is a dummy. Everybody who agrees with you already agrees with you. Everybody who doesn't agree with you or could be persuaded you've done nothing to reach out to them. What is your point? And you've done nothing with that speech to try to stop this trajectory we're on where we all have decided political violence is okay. Because my side is so right and the other side is so wrong, it's okay. And we've been on this now for years. And nobody's willing to call out their own side, or nobody in a position of power is willing to call out their own side and say, hey, it's bad when my side does it, and it's bad when their side does it. It's bad always. And the other side isn't just wrong, they're evil. Here's a for instance. Tim Sandifer retweeted this a little bit ago. 
people pretending this never happened are as bad as January 6th deniers. And I wish more people would say this. It's a retweet of a tweet from May 29th, 2020, which was when where riots had started all over the country after the killing of George Floyd. This was in Washington, D.C. Breaking. The Secret Service is in riot gear trying to defend the White House. The hashtag White House appears to be in danger of being overrun. The revolution will not be televised. It will be live streamed, uploaded, and shared. This is by somebody who is in favor of the Black Lives Matter riots being so out of control there in Washington, D.C. that the Secret Service was in riot gear and afraid that and encouraged by this guy that the White House was going to be overrun. So you don't see that as part of a trend that led us to January 6th a year ago? Of course it is. But, 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 but Trump... Is the only response you get, or it's what aboutism? You're acting, you're comparing the two. No, it's a it's a continuum. It's a pendulum. It's a whatever you want to call it. It's a growing acceptance of we need to be violent to get our way. Well, right, yeah, and you hear a lot. Well, well, that's not like storming the House of Representatives. I mean, that's another level. Oh, God, he says, rubbing his forehead. I'm going to explain this to you as slowly as I can. These things tend to grow. So, yes, each step up the ladder is higher than the previous one. That's why you buy a freaking ladder. So, yes, it's getting more and more extreme. That's the point. And what's next, maniacs? And I always go back to Trump rally in San Jose. The day after I attended a Trump rally in Sacramento, California, when some Trump supporters were beaten on the street just walking to a presidential rally, to a rally of a presidential candidate, beaten on the street, and nobody did anything about it. Nope. The San Jose police were like, what are, what are you going to do? They had it coming. Trump's a bad guy. So all of a sudden, political violence is acceptable, and it grew from there, and we all know what was going on with the George Flyatt rights, the mostly peaceful protests, as they said on CNN in front of the flames. Of course. I, I, I honestly believe this. You take out all the George Floyd riots, the BLM riots, the, all, the, all the different political violence that had grown over the last couple of years. You, Portland. You take Antifa. that. You to eliminate that. You do not have January 6th. You don't have a crowd of people that think you can do that or should do that in America right now. Right. Right. You, know, it's just, you, 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 you allowed it to be acceptable. It's amazing to me that how many people, uh, including people on the right that I like, who, who I think believe in the broken windows principle, you know, the policing principle of broken windows, mm-hmm. um, but don't believe this. It's the same sort of thing. Or you're comparing a broken window to an armed robbery. No. We all know, studies have shown, that if you have a lot of broken windows and graffiti, you have a bunch of smaller crimes, you end up with more bigger crimes because people decide, oh, I guess this is the sort of neighborhood where you can do this sort of thing. And that's what we've decided for the United States. You have people beaten down in the streets, you have federal buildings set on fire, you have cops attacked all over the country, you have people beaten up in restaurants because of their political views all across the country, and some people decided, oh, I guess that's okay now, and stormed of the Capitol. I know. I know it seems so obvious. Seems so obvious. We put up with A and B. Then somebody tries C. We put up with C. Somebody tries D. And before you know it, we're at X. 
And and, and there are, you know, the, the dead bodies all over the place. And unfortunately, rather than President Biden and Kamala Harris coming out today and trying to acknowledge that and saying, hey, political violence, I don't care if you're the rioters in Portland attacking the federal building or uh, the rioters a year ago here at the Capitol, ain't okay. None of it. None. No tolerance. Zero tolerance for political violence. But he didn't do that. You know what occurs to me just now? This is almost like one of those scenes in the movie where you realize the friend of the hero is actually the villain. His true identity is revealed. This is the perfect opportunity. In fact, it's more than an opportunity. I'd say it's damn near a requirement for Joe Biden or somebody to come out and say those things like like we've been saying. And the fact that instead of saying those things, to preserve the republic, to to tamp down the fires, to tamp down the anger, to try to bring more of us together, passed on that opportunity and instead went up with whipping, went with whipping up partisan fervor. The the, the true face of the ancient man in the White House has been revealed. I don't know how we're going to stop this trajectory, but there's nothing happening today that leads me to believe that it's going to switch directions. Have Pete, I'm sorry, have uh, Larry Hogan run against, uh, what's her name, the nice lady from uh, Minnesota? Klobuchar. Klobuchar, she was in the race for a cup of coffee. She got a better, she did better than Kamala Harris. She had more support than Kamala Harris. You got to have Larry Hogan run against Kamala Harris. I'm sorry, against uh, Amy Klobuchar. Nobody particularly pays attention or cares. We all go back to 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 uh, sports and arguing about, uh, I don't know, the weather. Just for like four years. Yeah, and you don't remember that as recently as like 2000 when Bush was running against Gore. A lot of the attitude was just like, eh, whichever. I mean, it's, you know. Right. <laughs> to, he's, to some extent, yeah. He's a little yeah. more this, he's a little more that. But whatever. It wasn't knife at the throat uh, fight. You know, tied at the wrist knife fight that the elections are now. So uh, either Klobuchar or Hogan gets elected. And if you don't know them, they're both very moderate on their side. I mean, to a large extent. Um, they get elected, either one of them. The Speaker of the House, whoever it is, says, look, for four years, well, two years, we're not going to pass any laws whatsoever. In fact, we're not going to do anything. <laughs> and the Senate says, you know what? Us neither. I mean, we're going to do the stuff we have to do, but other than that, nothing. And we just spend four years ignoring politics. It's a hilarious fantasy. Of course, behind the scenes, the swamp creatures would be draining us dry, but they're going to do that anyway. And it needs to be repeated, I think, a lot because the media keeps acting like or saying specifically that uh, the riot almost led to the end of our country. There, there was no chance in hell. I mean, a zero percent chance that those human beings, no, ma- no matter who they killed in the Capitol, were going to destroy the country. No, nope. N- not a chance. Nope. We were going to have the vote either that day or the next day or a week later if you burned down all the buildings. But it was going to happen. Right. Anybody saying that the the right uh, wants fascism and wants to end democracy and the rest of it, they're crazy, please. They get off of Twitter. Talk to some neighbors. Talk to some real human beings. Quit with your sensationalistic garbage to get clicks. I'm just tired of it. (sighs) Somebody's stealing all the lamps in Los Angeles. Speaking of uh, uh, the street lamps. 
Oh, okay. I need a lamp, so, but not some, that kind of lamp. I no, don't need no, a street not lamp. Like, you know, down there at the corner of your uh, coffee table. No, somebody's stealing all the uh, street lamps and the lamp posts in Los Angeles. Uh, speaking of, you let little crimes go. The bigger, 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 bigger ones start going. Radical DAs, the rest of it. We can tell you that story. Okay. <laughs> Is it? A, do we know if it's a prank or tweakers or? Well, I guess oh, you're no, going to no. tell me. Stealing them, it's stealing. Just stealing, stealing. Yes, like, because stealing. I want this because it's worth something. Yes. That kind of stealing. It's that sort, yes. Okay, gotcha. Uh, text line 415-295-KFTC. Lots of other stuff to talk about. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Would these policies give criminals a green light? No. I mean, it, it, it just depends upon your definition of criminal. Uh, and for all too long, we've kind of dealt with this othering of, you know, anyone we put in jail is a, a criminal. Well, you know what? We're putting in jail homeless people who... Um, uh, Literally, in one example, used a, one counter to buy food and toothpaste. Uh, got a sentence of four to eight years. So if that's your definition of criminal, uh, I suggest we need to really reorder ourselves. That's the lunatic Marxist New DA in New York, well, in Manhattan specifically, saying we're othering people. We're considering everybody who commits crimes criminals. Yeah, we got this. Uh, yeah, yeah, we are. And he fits in with uh, several people like him around the country, including in Los Angeles. The Beverly Hills City Council voted unanimously to support a recall effort aimed at L.A. County District Attorney George Gascone, who has similar ideas about uh, criminals and the way they are treated. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, well, as long as we're in L.A., let's stick in L.A., Um on Wednesday, city services crews started taking down lampposts from the Glendale-Hyperion Bridge, which connects Atwater Village and Silver Lake across the L.A. River, for those unfamiliar. That's because everybody's stealing them. They've taken down the lampposts so people won't steal them. They're made of bronze. Evidently, they have some monetary value, so people are just sawing off the lampposts and taking them away. That'd be a lot of work. <sighs> Civilization is breaking down. True that. George Gascone, Chesa Bodine, this lunatic, uh, what's his name, Alvin Bragg in Manhattan, Philadelphia, St. Louis. I tell you what, you got it. It's Sung too. You suggested to us, understand your enemy, respect them, never underestimate them. The George Soros crowd decided to elect DAs. They were losing, you know, mayoral elections. They were losing Senate elections and congressional elections in most districts. So they thought, okay, how do we get radical lefties in? And they came up with the idea of DAs, and it was brilliant. And it's working. And it's destroying our cities. Right. It's amazing how many stores I've been to, whether it's a convenience store or a Target or whatever, where practically anything of value is now locked up. You know what? Well, it used to be nothing was locked up at a store. Right. And then it got to be, you know, some things like a Nintendo Switch you're going to put behind the glass case you just because that's worth a lot of money. Now, practically everything of almost any value is locked in a store because, right. as Joe just said, civilization's breaking down. 
So this guy Bragg in Manhattan, he says his office, quote, will not seek a carceral sentence, meaning being put in jail, for anything short of murder or deadly assault. So armed robbery. No, no, no jail for armed robbers. Because what? Well, because we're not going to George uh, Gascon, Michael. In answer to your question, why are we not going to put armed robbers behind bars? We cannot prosecute our way out of social inequalities, income inequalities, the unhoused, the desperation that we have. So that last part, the desperation, he thinks an armed robbery is because of desperation because of an unfair system that we've created. Yeah, systemic racism and capitalism and the rest of it. You're crazy. You're crazy. Yeah, well, he's in office. So a couple of quick stories. And it's spreading everywhere. Scottsdale, Arizona, thieves start just filling their arms with these expensive handbags in some shop in Scottsdale. The woman says, what are you doing? They just absolutely blast her with pepper spray and walk out with all sorts of goods. You think that's the end, Scottsdale? You're wrong. Brace yourselves. High V grocery stores in the Midwest. Kansas City Stars reporting they've hired their own armed security agents now. First time in the history of this business, they now have armed guards at a danged Midwestern grocery store. I saw I saw it a lot in the Western United States, not just California, as I was driving to Kansas and back, stopping at those big truck stops that are practically like a grocery store. Sure, um, yeah. And everything locked up, and I don't know how many of them where they had an armed guard there. They had an armed guard at the truck stop because they're so worried about somebody coming in and stealing everything. Yeah, yeah. And then I actually have a list of L.A. stories, and this is a change of topic, but I mentioned it briefly before, and I want to get it on before we uh, part company with the mighty KABC Los Angeles. Coronavirus hospitalizations on the rise all across Southern California, including in L.A. You've probably seen this headline 50 times if you're in L.A. or maybe nationally, since it's one of the great cities in America. Huge growth in COVID hospitalizations, folks, except, wait a minute, two-thirds of them or in the hospital for something else and just happen to uh, test positive for uh, the Omicron. Two-thirds. Two-thirds. Well, then any story you hear about cases is... And hospitalizations. One, including hospitalizations, is completely misleading. Yeah. Uh, cases is utterly irrelevant. Yeah, that's a number she shouldn't even hear anymore. Yeah, it's just idiotic why you're asking. Well, partly because all the kids are getting tested at school all the time. And, uh, and, and this is such an innocent disease in most cases, the Omicron, that it just doesn't matter anyway. But even hospitalizations, everybody's going to get it who doesn't have it this minute. And I mean, every single damn one of us. And so, yeah, if you test everybody in the hospital, if every damn one of us is going to get this thing, a substantial number of people have it. And who cares? It doesn't matter. Two thirds in for a different reason. Yes, and and by the way, that's not from Alterna Right Wing Online Health dot com. That's from actually uh, ABC Seven in L.A. And yet, those numbers are from the L.A. County Department of Health Services. Let your, yet you're going to continue to have various policies where they're doing online classes because the hospitals are filling up. The hospitals are filling up with the same people that have always gone to the hospital. They just happen to also have Omicron. 
Yeah, I was so fired up this morning. Fired up slash depressed. Yesterday, I can't remember what point in the show, but look at the podcast, uh, Armstrong and Getty On Demand at armstrongandgetty.com. I brought you the, the essay from Marty Mackery from Johns Hopkins, just absolutely murdering universities, colleges for their COVID policies. The headline is, Universities' COVID Policies Defy Science and Reason. And he laid them to waste. I see uh, the Washington Post yesterday, I believe it was, published a story about how universities have had to shut down and cancel all the classes because of the Omicron. And they didn't even consider the fact that those policies are utterly illogical and defying science and reason. They didn't even look in that direction. There was no skepticism. There was no question mark. There was no curiosity there. It was just the parroting of the conventional wisdom. The great Washington Post. It just, oh my God. God, it makes me nuts. As I said earlier, I picked a hell of a month to quit drinking. <laughs> Joe uh, let you in on a little secret a little bit ago, though, that uh, there are different stations that take different parts of our show. We're actually on 24 hours a day. We never stop talking and doing this radio show. And then different stations around the country join in different parts. From midnight to 4 a.m., uh, I take an hour's sleep. Jack does the show solo, et cetera. And we each get about two and a half hours sleep a day. Right. But we never stop talking about the news of the day. Right, right. Anyway, if you ever miss a chunk, you can get it on demand, armstrongandgetty.com or wherever you like to get podcasts. We have people that come in and like change our underpants while we're talking. <laughs> it's true. Put on some fresh socks. It's absolutely true, because generally we're just too tired to even reach down and do it. <laughs> so we have a nurse come in. Give us a sponge bath. <laughs> right. They built me a shed where I sleep. Yes, that's right. Yes, The show is on 24 hours a day. Um, I'll be interested in taking in more January 6th commentary throughout the day. I'm, I'm guessing most of it will piss me off. But... Probably so, yeah. Are there any voices calling out both sides and saying it's time for political violence to stop. I doubt it. All no levels clicks in that. There's no donations in that. All levels of political violence we cannot tolerate. Period. Nope. You won't hear that a lot. Um, if you ever miss an hour of the show, you can grab it on the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.